Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Go back to Psalms where we were last week. I don't know how many have ever heard this before. I, uh, I had heard it several years ago and had forgotten about it. And somebody sent it to me again. And it ought to, you know, we ought to, uh, we ought to serve God unselfishly for, for the reason, and we've said it here and emphasized it here before, maybe we ought to emphasize it more, uh, for the reason of if people do not get saved, they go to hell. Now that's just, that, that's not a maybe, if, and, or but. That's reality. If they do not respond according to the Word of God, to Jesus Christ, the way the Bible says to do it. You say, what do you mean by that? Allow the Word of God to bring what the Bible calls a conviction to your heart. Conviction begins with the realization that I'm a sinner. And when you get that reality, then you realize I need a Savior. Then you find that Savior within the pages of of this book. His name is Jesus. He's not going to save you. He's already done it. Then you obey the Scripture, Romans 10, 9, and 10, that says if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That is the most important work anybody can do on this planet. I mean, thank God for the great uh, doctors and the researchers and the scientists and all those that try to make our life easy. But listen, you can get sick, but you can get well again. Uh, you, you, can get, you can go broke, but you can get rich again. But if you die and go to hell, that's forever. That's forever. And I had forgotten about this because I, I used to listen to a lot of late night radio because I used to, when I used to travel and preach, I used to drive home late. If I was within three hours of Leah, I, I, I came home. I like to be with Leah. Amen? I just liked it better than a hotel room. So I drive home. So many nights I found myself you know, uh, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning driving. And, you know, there was some really crazy, you know, UFO and all this kind of stuff. And so I heard this one thing, and it was kind of spooky back then. I was driving through some old country roads and stuff. And these, it was, it was, I didn't know how true it was. I didn't know if it had been documented. I didn't know. But on this particular late night uh, 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 radio program, they talked about these guys that were drilling in Siberia. Has anybody ever heard this story? They were drilling in Siberia, and for the most part, the Earth's crust is anywhere from about 5,000 to 7,500 feet thick. Now, it's a little thicker in some places, a little thinner in others, especially when you get around areas where there's a lot of volcanic activity. But in this area of Siberia, the, the, the Earth's crust was well over 5,000 feet. Now, when they used those rock, I don't know if anybody knows about drilling, but, but the drill they used to, to drill through the Earth is called a rock bit. And it's three different little wheels that got these teeth on it, and they all spin, and they, it just didn't go through anything. I mean, it did it, go through rock, limestone, sand. And they can always tell when that rock bit, uh, when it's on that drill stem, when that rock bit goes into a place where it's like a cavern. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing there. There's no, there's no oil there. There's no water there. They're not drilling through rock anymore. And it's just, it says that bit will start moving around and, and the pipe all the way back up in the derrick will begin to move. So they, that happened to them, so they stopped it and they put it down. And what they do when that happens is they put a microphone down there so they, so they can hear, see if they can hear water running, 
there's a sound that oil makes as it moves and pools under the water. And they put it down there and they heard a scream. They heard a scream down there. And so they, 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 they pulled it back up. They went and got another mic and they put it down there. And this time they heard it again. And so they recorded it. And they sent it off to Moscow. And they took and, and, and went and, and they, they said, this is what they determined. It was not just a scream. It was the scream of a million, over a million people. And so I'd forgotten about that. I remember hearing that on a radio program. The other day, I got this, this, this somebody sent this to me that they have documented that. That thing, that hole is still open. They're still putting microphones down in there. And they cannot figure out what that noise is because it sounds like the screams of millions of people. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Hell is not a place you want to go. Amen. I don't know, the other day I think I mentioned this about how people talk about, yeah, we'll party in hell together. It's better to reign in hell than to serve in... Listen, you can forget that. I said, you can forget that. There, there is going to be such isolation, such torment, uh, you know, and it's a sad, sad thing to think that many people, this is the only heaven they'll ever know is on the earth. That's why we must be busy about the master's business. That's why each and every one of us need to fulfill the calling of God, the destiny of God upon our life, because it behooves us by the Savior that saved us to make sure this gospel is spread in such a way that everybody is afforded the greatest opportunity of their life to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God gave us a message that not only can be proclaimed, but demonstrated. Everybody say proclaimed and demonstrated. You say, what do you mean by that? Not only does He say He saves you, he saves you. Not only does He say He heals you, He'll heal you. Not only does He say He'll prosper you, He'll prosper you. Not only does He say He'll set you free, He'll set you free. Back in, back in Psalms 37, just for a moment, because I certainly didn't get to exhaust this last week. I get caught up in things sometimes. Psalms 37, let me read it again. And so for the sake of tonight, I'm just going to use verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Everybody say, delight thyself in the Lord, and He will give me the desires of my heart. Now it does not say delight yourself in the desires. It says delight yourself in the Lord. Now I was studying along these lines, getting ready for tonight, actually even last week. And the Lord said something. I wrote it down in my notes and wrote it down in my Bible. He said, desire, the Lord spoke this to me by the Holy Ghost. Desire is the compass of God for the will of God in your life. How can you go down the path of righteousness in your life without the desire? Amen? I mean, a compass is a very handy tool. You know, we've been having all this fog lately. And I don't know if you've ever been out in the fog in the bay. But it's the weirdest, how can I say, it's the weirdest phenomenon to be riding in a boat and seeing the wind blow one way and the fog go the other way. How many know what I'm talking about? It, it's strange. It a couple of years ago, I was coming back from flounder fishing down in the, in the, in the ship channel, and there was a fog bank in between me and the, and the uh, 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 causeway. And I was running through there. I thought, oh, I've got this. And I just zoomed right through. Wasn't looking at my compass. Wasn't looking at nothing. And all of a sudden, I was someplace I didn't know I was. And I looked and I was way up there by Swan Lake, by the plants. I completely missed the direction I was going. 
Listen, a compass is very necessary for navigation in places that are in which you can't see. And desire is the compass that God will put in your heart to help put you in the direction. Listen, when I came back to the Lord, I had no desire for ministry. All I was was back to the Lord. That's all I was. I knew that God had taken me back. I knew that He had forgiven me. I knew that my sins were washed away. But I had no desire to be in the ministry. But what I did do is I began to delight myself in the Lord. Which means I began to give more attention to spiritual things and the things of God than I did anything else. And as I did, the old hard outward and inward who I was began by the water of the Word of God to get pliable and soft. And within just a few months, I had a desire to go to Bible school. And in just a few months, I had a desire for ministry. And in just a few months, I had a desire to go to the nations of the world. And within a year, I had graduated from Bible school. Within a year, I had already taken a couple of missions trips. And within a year, I had already preached several meetings all over. You say, why? Desire was the compass that led me into the will of God. Amen? And a lot of people, what they do many times is they'll, they'll serve God and they'll pour all of their life into serving God and God will give them the desire and then they'll just sit around with that desire waiting for something to happen. It'll never happen. You have to pursue that desire into the will of God. Now let me say that again. You have to pursue that desire. And here's the thing. You're not going to get it right the first time or the second time or the third time or the first, fourth time. You've got to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And when you get frustrated, you keep doing it. And when you have setbacks, you keep doing it. And when it doesn't look like it's going to work, you keep doing it. But you keep following the compass of that desire. Amen. Amen. I mean, some of you may have desires for ministry, desires for business. Desires for no telling what. But if it's a God-given one, you're going to have to do something about it. I've heard that scripture quoted many times. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you desire of your heart. So all you got to do is delight yourself in the Lord and if you desire a Cadillac, it's going to come. That's not what the scripture says. One translation actually says it like this. Be pliable in the hands of Almighty God and then you will know that what rises up out of your heart is of Him. Then after you get what is risen up, you must pursue it with the faith that He gives you. Amen? So that's what you're going to have to do. Now, I've been, I started digging. Everybody say digging. Go to 2 Chronicles. I bet this is one you hadn't heard in a while. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. I started med meditating on this and looking into this. I thought it was a pretty good story just for what we're talking about. Chapter 1, I'm excuse me, chapter 15, verse 1. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa and all of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. Did you get that? The Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Listen, that means if you ain't looking for God, he ain't looking for you. People say, well, you know, I come to church and I sit there and, you know, I'm just, I'm just here. I really ain't. I'm really not trying to get anything. I really don't prosper. I really don't mean anything. I just, I just come and sit here in, in the building. You know, I'm just kind of, you're never going to get nothing. 
God's not going to speak to you. He's not going to lead you. You know, you might as well keep your offering. I mean, well, I thought I'd just give a donation to the church. Don't do that. We don't take donations around here. We want people to give by faith and give to the Lord. Amen? Literally, you can always say, even listen, and here's something that I, it's kind of hard for me to hit this and run from it, but I'm going to do it anyway. If you've got a certain level which you sought God for something in your life, and so in seeking God for whatever it was, you pulled yourself up to a level in prayer, in consecration to Him, in studying His Word, and then you got what you were, were believing God for, and then you stepped down, step back down to a lower level of consecration. You made a mistake. I said, you made a mistake. Because what happened is God granted you that in order for you to step up a little higher. In order to get a little more consecrated into what God was... Not to step back and just enjoy... Listen, anytime you step back just to enjoy what God has produced in your life, what God has produced will become your God. I've seen it happen. I've seen young people come together, come to church, come to prayer, believe God for a husband, wife, and get married, and then you never see them again. I've seen people believe God for their business. Oh, Lord, bless my business, bless my business, bless my business. And then God blesses their business. Next thing you know, they can't come to church. Why? Too busy with the business. Amen. The Lord is with you while you be with Him. And if you seek Him, He will be found of you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God and without teaching priest and without law. Wow. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, He was found of them. Which means you can turn to God in your trouble, in your circumstance, in your situation, in your trial... Turn to God. Everybody say, turn to God. This is, listen, this, is, listen, this is part and parcel of becoming pliable in God's hands. Let me say this, and I've used this illustration teaching on several different subjects. You know, you're bouncing along in life, everything's good. Then the enemy attacks your finances, your health, whatever it is. You could label whatever it is. So you begin to believe God, you begin to pray, you begin to get into faith. You come up, you're prayed for, you develop a, a confession of what you're believing God for. And then you, in your mind, you formulate what I would call, for lack of a better explanation, you formulate a vision. You say, what do you mean by vision? You see yourself back in the place you were at before the doctor's report, before the financial report, before whatever it was that got into your life that you needed God to get you out of and bless you You see the answer of God as going back to the place you were before you had the problem. And now that's just natural for us. But the problem is, God will never deliver you back to that place. Because it was in that place you were vulnerable to that problem. In that place you were vulnerable to the physical, financial, whatever. So God wants you over here receiving from Him in this place 
never going back to that place again. So you're going to have to allow him to put some God-given desire in your heart so that you can take the compass of God and navigate your way into the answer of God and end up in a place where you're never vulnerable to that again. That way the devil doesn't get it back out of your hands. Uh, the statistics of what we uh, have heard from many of the ministries of the healing revival, 1948 through about 1963 or 64, when a great healing move hit the nation, is, is, is dismal. I mean, in, in, in ministries like Dr. Roberts and, and Catherine Kuhlman, people, the, 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 uh, people were uh, healed in mass, major miracles and healings. But they say literally less than 30% of the people kept their healings. That means out of every hundred people that got, killed, got, got healed, 70 of them lost their healing. Well, why did they lose it? Because the healing or the miracle of what was produced in their life did not motivate any desire in them to serve God. Everybody say, serve God. Now, let me say this, and I, I may hit this a time or two the next few meetings. In my spirit right now, there is really something alarming in my spirit. I really can't put my finger on what it is. But I want you to know something. You better serve God. Amen. Let me say that again. I'm telling you this is the last of the last days. There is great apathy and complacency in churches all over the world. There are people, there are churches that used to be churches of thousands. They're not churches of thousands anymore. And many of the churches that are of thousands are just full of sensationalism. There's no, there's, no, there's no real level of word. There's no real level of the spirit. Uh, there's no real level of consecration. It's just a, it's just a carnival. You know, what P.T. Barnum said is true. Everybody know what P.T. Barnum said? He said, produce the weird, the strange, the odd, the crowds will come. I'm telling you, God's not weird, strange, or odd. God's supernatural. And when God moves, it's not odd. Everybody knows it's God. And you don't have to get into some kind of weird sensationalism just to, to, just, to, just to draw a crowd of people. But listen, this is a day and an hour which our, our survival... Because listen, we get lured into this complacency of thinking everything's going to be like it is. And we're literally living in a time where at any moment everything can change. And if you're not serving God and connected to the Holy Ghost, you may get caught up in something that you will find you can't get yourself out of. And God doesn't want that in your life. You've got to make a decision to serve God with all of your heart. Everybody say, all of my heart. It says, let me read this again. It says, but when they were in their trouble, they turned unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, and He was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to Him that went out, to, uh, went out excuse me, and in those times there was no peace to Him that went out, nor to Him that came in. Now that goes directly against their covenant. Because in the Abrahamic covenant, it said this, I'll bless you coming in, and I'll bless you going out. And so the covenant was not working for them, but in their trouble, they started seeking God. Are you with me? It says, and the nation was, dest and nation was destroyed of nation. No, no sorry, I didn't read the last part of that scripture. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city. For God did vex them with all adversity. Be strong, therefore, and let your hands not be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. 
Now it's talking to these people that had turned to God. And you can go read back in the, in the last couple of chapters what was going on in Israel and in Judah. Had they gotten into trouble? Finally, God raised up a king, King Asa, and he was bringing them back into the covenant. And God was telling them, now listen, you've gotten yourself into trouble, but I'm bringing you out. You're seeking me. You're desiring me. Now even though it looks like there's destruction and turmoil all around you, I'm going to bring you out. What was happening was their desire was changing. Now, here's the problem. Don't let your life get so bad that you have to turn to God because your life is so bad. That's not the correct desire. Delight yourself in the Lord. Read your Bible. Read your chapters. Pray. Come to prayer. Come to church. Seek the Lord. You say, how can I do that? It's, it's 2019. Everybody's busy. There's so much going on. You'll never find time to seek God. You've got to make time to do it. Amen. Be strong, therefore. Let not your hands be weak. For your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Obed, the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which had been taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Now listen, this is what he did. Asa had done some things, but he hadn't done everything. That's where we get into trouble. We do some things, but we don't do everything. Well, Lord, I went to church. It's not enough. I read my chapter. It's not enough. Your chapter should just be an introduction. Amen. Well, Lord, I went to prayer once, once, once last month. A, listen, when you make a decision, what I'm doing is not enough. He started doing everything. And one of the main things he didn't do, he didn't remove those, those wicked demonic altars that they worshipped Baal upon and did sacrifice unto him. He started getting rid of those altars. And when he got rid of those altars, he began to return to the altar of God. There are things you've got to get rid of out of your life before you come back to God the way you should because there are things in your life that keep you from coming to God because you continue to have it in your life. People always get mad at me when I say things like, you got to watch the music you listen to. We had a group of guys that were coming here for, 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 oh, they came here maybe six, eight months, maybe a year or so. But every time I got on rock and roll, they got mad. You say, why? Because they loved their rock and roll. You may say, I love my rock and roll. I love my country western. I love this. I love that. But listen, if it's not of God, it will hurt you. It will harm you. It will take the holiness that, was, that is in you and it will corrupt it. You're not holy because of anything you, do, you have done. You're holy because of what Jesus has done. And, but there's a scripture. I was talking, we were talking to somebody the other day about that scripture. It's in uh, uh, one of the minor prophets. I'm going to go back and find out where it actually is. But it talks about the priest. He cleanses himself. He bathes, bathes himself. He gets himself holy. He goes into the holy of holies. He offers the sacrifice. God takes care of the sin of the nation for a year. He's holy. But the scripture says this. How come when he comes out of the holy of holies and all the holiness that is upon him and around him and he touches the unclean thing, that that which is unclean does not turn holy, but that which is holy turns unclean. Amen. It's the same way today. That which is unholy will, will inhibit your holiness and your righteousness. And people get all, well, you know, we don't want to go off into legalism. Well, maybe we should. 
if it'll help you serve God. I knew, I knew a guy one time got saved out of drugs. And I remember he, was, he was in a, went to a church a couple of times that I preached in. And, and I asked the pastor one time, I said, well, have, have, have you seen, I called his name, I knew his name. I said, yeah, I, I, he goes to the, to the uh, he named a certain church that was very legalistic. And I, for a few moments there, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder why he left this church. And the Lord just quickened me like that. He said, don't you say anything. And I said, you kind of, in my own heart, I said, why not, Lord? He said, that's the only place he can serve me. He said, that's the only place he can serve me. Well, there's all kinds of rules, all kinds of regulations. If I don't have him in that condition or in that situation, he won't be able to serve me. If I give him any liberty, he'll take that liberty and go right back into unrighteousness. So I've got him where I want him. You leave him alone. Amen. Oh, let me finish my scripture. My time's running out. Anybody liking this? Amen. They put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin, out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of God. Everybody say the altar of God. That was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, uh, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. You know, I'm telling you, there's something about God being with you that draws people. Yeah. Amen? Everybody say, God was with him. And so they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had bought, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts and with all their soul. And whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death. They got serious about this. They had had enough of destruction. They'd had enough of having their brains beat out. They'd had enough sickness, enough disease. And the number one guy, the king, said, we're going to serve God with all of our hearts. And if you don't go with us, we got a remedy for that. We're going to kill you. <laughs> now, we're not going to get that extreme, amen. But that just shows us right there how serious it takes sometimes when it comes to turning to God and with all your heart to get what you need from God and to get your compass set so you can get down the road in the will of God and find His blessings in your life. Now let me close with this. I like this one. It says, And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all of Judah rejoiced at the oath. That for, for they had sworn, excuse me, for they had sworn with all their hearts and sought him with, the whole, with, the, with their whole desire. Do you see that? Now let me read that again. And all of Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn, that they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Now you go back the chapters before this and you read what was going on. And buddy, I'm going to tell you, Israel and Judah was in all kinds of trouble, all kinds of turmoil. They were getting destroyed. Nations were coming and beating the fire at them. There was all kinds of problems. And finally, a king rose up and said, that's enough. I'm going to do what it takes to get this nation out of the hole that it's in 
We were once a people blessed of God. And we're going to be a people blessed of God again. And whatever it takes to turn to the Lord, we're going to turn to God with all of our heart and with all of our desire. Amen? Amen. Literally, you have to come to a place in your walk with God that your desire... And listen, it's, it's, we talked about it earlier. You know, desire for ministry. We pray for people. Desire for your business. Desire for education. Desire for... That's all well and good. But your desire for God must be the preeminent desire in your life. You can't use your faith and your piety or your holiness or your righteousness as a means to an end. I'm just doing this because this is what I need. You can't do that. You've got to turn to God with all of your heart and with all of your desire. That all of your desire is to... Listen, I can honestly tell you, more than I desire that building, more than, more than I desire for the church to double, triple, or, or quadruple, more than I desire millions of dollars to give to missions around the world, more than I desire to, uh, to, to, to have fun and all the hobbies that I do, more than I desire my family or my wife, more than I desire anything, I desire God. I spend more time with Him. I spend more time in His Word. I spend more time in prayer. I spend more time around the things of God than I do anything else because I'm not looking for a means to an end. I'm looking for a person. I'm looking for God. I'm looking for Jesus. That's literally what the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life. If anybody could have stood up and stacked the accolades of what they had accomplished. Well, I'm writing books that God's going to put in the canon of Scripture that one day will be called the Bible. I've had special miracles in Ephesus. I've built a great church in Corinth. I've built a great church in Philippi. I've done special miracles. I'm telling you, signs and wonders come from my hands. No, that was not his desire. At the end of his life, his desire was this, that I may know him. That I may know Him. Now that is powerful in this day and age where ego and ambition has so gotten into Christianity and church that you can't tell the difference between that and calling. But at the end of the day, if you can say, my true desire. Can you imagine how, how Paul must have really thought? He heard Stephen die. He heard other people scream as he took them bound into prisons and jails and all kinds of places like that. And then the mercy of God one day on the road to Damascus shined and he served God the rest of his life. And he saw the move of God that Jesus died and rose from the dead for began. And God used him to impart the major volume of revelation knowledge into the church. And at the end of his life, he didn't say, well, I tell you, I, I really would like to have more special miracles. I'd, I'd like to build a bigger church. I'd like to have more uh, fame. I, I'd like to get out of this jail. <laughs> None of that meant anything to him. If you go study, a good study for you guys that are really Bible students, go study all of the sermons Paul preached in the book of Acts. He started every, every sermon like this. I was on the road to Damascus and a light shined from heaven brighter than the noonday sun. And see, we think about like the Apostle Paul or others that we've heard great tests, but the same thing was true to you. You were on your own road to Damascus and a light shined from heaven 
And it may have shined through a radio broadcast. It may have shined through a preacher. It may have shined through a, a Billy Graham crusade you went to. But a light shined from heaven brighter than the noonday sun. And you ought to spend your life setting the compass of desire to pursuit of the one that saved you, the one that loved you, the one that is the delight of your heart. And you will find the will of God and the destiny of God for your life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. God is good. Lift your hands up, Father. We thank you tonight for your goodness, for your blessing, for all that you're doing, for each and every person that's here. That they will find the desire for God and the things of God. All the distraction, all the clutter, all the drama that the enemy tries to rise up in our pursuit of the Master, of who He is, what He's done for us. We thank You, Father, that is tempered by the knowledge that for every step we take towards You, You run ten steps toward us. We thank You for that, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, we thank You for Your blessing upon us. As we travel, as we work, as we handle the resource that You've given us, thank You no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank You, Heavenly Father. Everywhere we go and everything we do is covered by that which you've given us through your word and by your power. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Lord, for that door of utterance afforded Island Church. Lord, as we crank up this building program, as we do that which many say would never be done, we thank you, Father, that it opens the door of utterance for every person in this church to proclaim not a building, not a ministry, but a God that loves them and a Savior that has saved them. Thank you for that door of utterance. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.